What great worship, huh? What's heaven going to be like? If we can have worship like that on earth, are you looking forward to heaven? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I just wanted to uh, just say thank you for um, being such a blessing to our team from St. Vincent these past few days. We had an awesome time um, just, just doing ministry together, learning from you. And I just wanted to say thank you for the partnership that has been forged over these past three years. Um, Harvest in the West is a household name in Harvest St. Vincent, right? And, um, and that's how it's supposed to be, right? We are a family, amen? So thank you for praying for us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for feeding us the way you did this week. And um, just such a blessing being here. All right, are we ready for God's word? Amen. Turn with me to the book of Hosea. So we're going to be in the book of Hosea this morning. Hosea in scripture is called one of the minor prophets. There are 12 minor prophets in all in the Bible, in scripture. Hosea being the first of them. They are called minor prophets, not because their message is less important than the major prophets. This isn't baseball, there isn't major leagues and minor leagues going on here, right? That they, it's called, they're called the minor prophets because their message is shorter and more succinct. Hosea's name in Hebrew means salvation. Of course, we know Jesus Christ's name, Yahshua, in the Hebrew is also salvation. Hosea's ministry spans for about 40 years, from 755 to 715 B.C., Thus, his ministry spans over different kings who served in Judah. Hosea's ministry was concurrent with Isaiah's ministry, just to give you a frame of reference. And um, although Hosea ministered primarily to the north, to the nation of Israel, and Isaiah primarily to the south, to the tribes of Judah, kingdom of Judah. Now, Hosea does not speak outside of this book. Some of the other minor prophets do. But he is quoted by um, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9. And also our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself in Matthew's chapter 9 and chapter 12. Now culturally, there are four major things going on here when Hosea is writing this book. Four major things are happening here in the nation of Israel. Here's the first one. There is great spiritual apostasy. Everyone's doing what was right in their own eyes. And uh, many had fallen away from God. There's also social disintegration. They are, they're, they're, they are not um, conforming to um, norms and, and values in the society. There, is, um, there are unrighteous alliances. Um, they are worshipping false gods. They are marrying foreign women. And then fourthly, they are ungodly kings. Now, during the period of the divided kingdom, there is Israel to the north with ten tribes and Judah to the south with two tribes. And um, though Judah had a couple good kings, Israel had none. Not a single 
good king. So we get here to the book of Hosea, and God asks Hosea to do a very unusual thing as a way of illustration through his life and ministry. Now, how many of you here are married? That's more than the first service. That's great. Now, how many of you here who are married would say that marriage could be complicated from time to time? That's half of you. Let's try it again. (laughs) But it is true, isn't it? Marriage can get complicated from time to time. And um, God instituted marriage as a sacred covenant. And the fact is that he uses marriage as an illustration in scripture to communicate two very similar things. One in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. And for those of you who are well-versed and studied in Scripture, you will already be familiar with this, right? You will know that in the New Testament, marriage is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. Very good. Pastor Doug will be very proud. And then, um, let me give you a few verses for that. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, it says... Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they will fast. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, he's speaking here in matrimonial terms. He's speaking here prophetically about himself who would go away and return. And you will be familiar with this, the parable of the the ten virgins in Matthew 25. The virgins are waiting with the bridegroom for the bridegroom to return. Now it was customary in the Jewish culture... That when a marriage takes place, the marriage will not be consummated immediately. The man will be exempted from war for one year. He will go away. He will prepare his house for his bride. And then he will come back. And in Matthew 25, this parable of the ten virgins, they were waiting here with the bride for the groom to return. That night in shining armor coming back to sweep her off of her feet to take her home. And Jesus is using this in a context that they would understand in matrimonial language. In fact, he is referring to his own return for his bride, the church, that we would be ready, waiting, and watching. That's why later on in dialogue with his disciples, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you will be also. He's talking here about heaven as a place of rest and reward for those who believe in him. Now, the same is true in the Old Testament, but just from a little different angle. In the Old Testament, marriage serves to illustrate God's relationship with the nation of Israel. Okay? A couple of verses for that. Listen to this. Isaiah 54 and verse 5. 
for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Isaiah 62 verse 5. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So in the Old Testament, marriage is an illustration of God's love for Israel. Now here's what he's communicating in both Old and New Testament in terms of marriage. He says this relationship between God and us should be about love, commitment, faithfulness, and devotion. God is saying, that's how I am towards you. I will always be loving. I will always be faithful. I will always be devoted. I will always be committed. I will always be selfless towards you. That's why he gave us his son, loved ones, to die for us, to purchase us with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how he is towards us. He went after us. He pursued us. He redeemed us. So catch this. If this is what he did for us, loved ones, it's also what he expects of us. God is saying, I am faithful towards you. So, I, so now I want you to be faithful towards me. I am loving towards you. Now I want you to be loving towards me. And that relationship is kept intact here in the book of Hosea. Only there is one big problem as you read the book of Hosea. The problem is that God is saying through Hosea, the bride has been unfaithful. God is saying, I have held up my part of the covenant agreement. But the bride Israel, she's been unfaithful. Our contractual agreement is that they will be my people and I will be their God. But she has committed spiritual adultery. She has sought after other lovers. She has forsaken me because of her apostasy, idolatry, and immorality. Her morning is like her, her goodness is like the morning dew. She has fractured our friendship. She has ruptured our relationship. She has allowed strange gods to encroach upon my domain. And you see that here in chapter 1, verse 2. Last phrase of verse 2. Look at it. It says, For the land commits great whoredom, strong word, by forsaking the Lord. So God is saying, Israel has been unfaithful to me. And here's the first point I want us to, to look at this morning. God's love requires obedience. So God asks Hosea, loved ones, to do something very strange. And maybe the conversation went something like this. God said to Hosea, Hosea, I want for you to get married. Hosea was like, well, God, you know, the other day, I was thinking to myself, prophet, it's time for you to take for yourself a wife. And God, you know, I was thinking that marriage is such a good thing, particularly when your wife is being chosen by an omnicompetent God. 
And God, you know what? I, I know the perfect girl. She is a prophet's daughter. She comes from an orthodox Jewish background. Lord, she attends all of my crusades. She sits right up front. She says amen passionately to all of my points. And at the end of my crusades, she helps me pass out Ten Commandment tracts. God, she'll make me a perfect wife. God said to Hosea, well, Hosea, um, I know the girl you're talking about. And yes, I believe one day she will make someone a perfect wife. But it's just not you. You see, Hosea, the girl that I want for you to marry has never been to any of your crusades. Hosea, the girl that I want for you to marry is not a prophet's daughter. Hosea, the girl that I want for you to marry does not come from an orthodox Jewish background. As a matter of fact, Hosea, the girl that I want for you to marry has never held a Ten Commandment track in her hand, ever. Hosea, the girl that I want for you to marry is a pagan prostitute. Hosea was like, whoa, God, whoa. What is the glory? What is the glory, God, when piety connects with promiscuity? God, what is the glory when the sacred has intercourse with the secular? God, what is the glory? I will rather die with dignity than live with disgrace. God, what is the glory? God says to Hosea, Hosea, I want for you to trust my heart even when you cannot trace my hand. Hosea said, all right, God, I'll marry her. Where is she? Well, Hosea, she's a temple prostitute. She's at the temple. God, what's her name? Her name is Goma. What type of parents name their child Goma? Now, have you ever wondered why God would ask his prophets to do some really crazy things? Can you imagine, right? Some of the prophets sitting in heaven and there's, there's Isaiah and there's Jeremiah and there's Ezekiel and there, there's Hosea and they're just kind of sitting by a campfire in heaven and they're comparing notes. On their iPads. <laughs> Whatever. And, and they're like, well, what did God ask you to do? And he, Ezekiel says, well, well I, no, Isaiah says, well, God asked me to walk around barefoot and naked for three years. God was giving a sign and warning to the Egyptians and the Ethiopians. 
that would make them afraid of doing the things that they were doing. Isaiah 20 verse 1 to 6. Jeremiah was like, guys, that's nothing, right? Um, On one occasion, God asked me to throw a yoke around my neck and walk through the tongue. The guys were like, okay, Ezekiel, your turn. Well, mine was pretty cool. Ezekiel said, well, God asked me to cook some barley cakes. What's wrong with that? Well, you see, guys, God asked me to cook some barley cakes over a fire fueled by human excrement. Chapter 4. So they turned to Hosea. Hosea, why aren't you saying anything, man? Well, you know, guys, well, God asked me to marry a prostitute. Hosea, what was her name? Goma. Where is she from? Mayberry? I am just happy that I am a pastor in the 21st century. <laughs> but did you know that in St. Vincent, when we were about to launch Harvest Bible Chapel St. Vincent, the place that God led us to was a building that was the most popular nightclub on the island called Aquatic Club. We have been meeting there now for four years. Lives have been changed. And yes, there is a big disco ball in the back of our building. But here's what chapter 1 verse 2 says. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, right in scripture here, go take for yourself a wife of whoredom. Strong word, right? And have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. And now, it's interesting, in scripture, loved ones, did you know that there are several references to prostitutes? And honestly, God has quite a lot of compassion towards them. Rahab, Joshua chapter 2, right? And Rahab's there and, and her house is, is um, conveniently located on the wall of the city. And of course, the spies come in. And uh, this would not have been weird because there were men coming in and out of Rahab's house all the time. And um, so the spies come in, the, the king gets word. That the spies are there. So he sent his men to wipe the spies out. And of course she hides them. And, and um, she saves their lives. And she said these words to them. She said, I want to be a part of what you are doing. And I want to worship your God. And this Gentile prostitute became a proselyte for Judaism. And um, she gave her life to Christ. She married into the Israelite camp. And in Matthew chapter 1, she is, it tells us that she's found in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She was the great-great-grandmother of King David. That was Rahab. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus sits down in a room. And of course, there are the Pharisees. And, and now, remember, when they were reclining at this time, they would sit their, ha- their chins in their hands and their feet would be spread out. And in walks this prostitute and, and she is, she's weeping at Jesus' feet and she's wiping his feet with her hair and she's anointing throwing, uh, expensive alabaster oil on his feet. And the Pharisees are whispering to each other. If he was truly a prophet, 
he would know what type of woman was touching him. Jesus rebuked them because even though he despised her sinful lifestyle, he loved her for recognizing something that the Pharisees could not see, that he was truly the Messiah, the only one who could change lives. So several references in the Bible to prostitutes, and this is one. So why would God ask Hosea to marry a prostitute? You have to remember that Israel at this time was steeped in immorality. They were worshiping false gods and idols. They were engaging in all kinds of immoral practices in worship of these false gods. So God said to Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. Why? Because I am going to use this improbable relationship between a prophet and a prostitute to dramatize to all of fallen humanity that God still loves the unlovely. I am going to use this improbable relationship between a prophet and a prostitute because I want to dramatize to all of fallen humanity both the male and the female gomas, that no one can fall so far where they fall outside of the reach of God. No one. So if you're here this morning and I don't know what your life has been like, there is nothing that you can do where the grace of God cannot reach you. I want to tell them that they may break God's heart but they can never break his love. And by the way, it is not only Hosea's marriage, loved ones, that is to be a living example of Christ's relationship with Israel. God also said to Hosea, I want your children to also be a living example of what I am trying to communicate here. Why? Because Israel has forsaken me. So I want you to look here with me in Hosea chapter 1. Let's look at verse 4. And he's going to communicate the names of, of Hosea and Gomer's three children. In verse 4, there's a son born to them. And God told them to name him Jezreel. In Hebrew, Jezreel literally means God scatters and God sows. Like the seed. And, and, and the message here is that Jezreel, God is saying through Jezreel, this name, that he's going to scatter the nation of Israel. That he's going to cause the Azareans to come in and they are going to conquer the nation of Israel and he's going to scatter them. Why? Because of their sin, past and present. And their present disobedience to the Lord. Then they have another child. This time it's a girl. And God said to, to, um, to Hosea to name her Lohurama, which means no mercy and love. Lo, lo in the Hebrew means no or not. Ruhama in the ministry, in the, um, in the narrative, in the Bible, means mercy. So God is saying to them here, through this girl, I am not going to have any mercy on the nation of Israel. God said, I want her to be an example of, the, of my grief over the sin of the people. Then, loved ones, 
there is a third child that's born to Goma. And God said to them to name him Loami, which means not my people. He is starting here to distance himself from the nation of Israel. He's saying, you are not my people and I am not your God. And the implication here that's shown in the text is that this child is not even Hosea's. Goma, while she was married to Hosea, she was unfaithful. She went out. She got pregnant by another man. And God says, name that boy Loami. Because he is not yours. And that will serve as an example to the nation of Israel. That they are not my people. So Hosea's whole family, his marriage, his children, serves as a visual illustration for us of what's wrong with Israel. And sadly, the text tells us in chapter 2 that Goma abandons her husband and her kids and she goes back to a life of prostitution. Now hold up, everyone, look at me. I know what many of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, I am no Goma. She's despicable. I am better than her. Of course, look at me. I'm at church today. But I believe that poor Goma, she tried. Loved ones, she tried. Can you imagine her coming home and saying, Hey, Hosea, honey, look. The hems on my skirt is no longer. I'm not dressing the way I used to dress before. But when she would go out, the people in the nation of Israel, the people in the temple would scorn her. They would say, oh, look at Goma. She thinks she's now holier than thou because she's married to a prophet. Oh, look at Goma. Her skirts are no longer. Once a prostitute, always a prostitute. And Goma was caught between a push and a pull. The temptation of past sins, the scorn of the temple people, she was unable to find acceptance in any other thing than her old lifestyle. Loved ones, New believers are often forced back into their sins by the actions, sadly, sometimes, of us as Christians. Because, you see, sanctification is progressive. We take time and we grow in our walk with the Lord. We learn 
as the years go by what it means to worship, walk, and work for Christ. For some of us, it comes faster than others. So we need to give people a time to change, a chance to change. Instead of scorning them, we need to help them. We need to take their hand and walk with them. We need to cry with them. We need to laugh with them. But when they're down, we don't kick them because they're down. We hold their hand and we say, brother or sister, in love, what you're doing is wrong. But I'm going to walk this road with you so that we get onto the right path. Amen? Here's the second thing. Write this down. God's love is relentless. God's love is relentless. Chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. Look at this with me. Eyes in scripture. It says, For their mother has played the horse. Strong words. She has conceived them and has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers. Who will give me bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will hedge up her way with thorns. I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. She shall seek them, but she shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me than now. So Hosea goes back. To, Mount, to the foot of Mount Tabor. Hosea says, hey God. Yes, Hosea. God asks Hosea, Hosea, what's going on? Where is Goma? God, I don't know. Hosea, where is Goma? God, I don't know. Hosea, where is Goma? God, I, I don't know. You're God, you should know. Hosea, where is Goma? God, she's left me. She's abandoned me. She's abandoned our children. Look at me, God. I am now the laughing stock of the prophetic fraternity. The nation of Israel, they're looking at the prophets and they're laughing. How does that make you feel, Hosea? God, I'm hurt. How does that make you feel, Hosea? God, what do you mean? Hosea, how does that make you feel? God, I still love her. Hosea, you still love her? Yes, God. I still love her, Hosea. You still love Goma in spite of all that she has done to you. Yes, God. I still love her. God turns to Hosea and God says, Hosea, now you are ready to represent me. Because tell my people Israel. Tell my people Israel. In spite of the fact that they have been unfaithful to me. Tell my people Israel. In spite of the fact that they have chosen false gods. Tell my people Israel. I still love them. Tell my people Israel. 
that what I want is not a divorce. Tell my people Israel that my heart is always for reconciliation. Tell Israel, I still love her. Hosea had not seen his wife in years. Then one day, Hosea gets a knock on his door. Hosea, Hosea, I think I found Goma. I'm not completely sure. It, It looks like Goma. But she's at the marketplace on the auction block. She's naked. Her hair is unkept. The person, their skin is bruised and broken and tattered. It it looks like Goma. Hosea moves that person out of the way. Hosea goes to his room and he grabs his prophetic regalia and he wraps it around himself. And Hosea starts to run to the marketplace. He's running to the marketplace. And the people in the nation of Israel are looking at Hosea. And they're saying, look at the prophet. He's going to shake his vindictive finger in the face of his unfaithful wife. Oh, but did they know his heart, loved ones? Hosea got there just in time to hear other men bidding for his wife. One said five shekels of silver, another said six. One said seven shekels of silver. Hosea looked in his bag, Hosea said eight. Another said nine, another said ten. Hosea looked into his bag and Hosea had 15 shekels of silver. Hosea shouted to the auctioneer, 15 shekels of silver. He says, go in once, go in twice, sold to the highest bidder. Hosea walks up to Goma and he opens his arms and naked she fell into his arms. He took off his prophetic regalia and wrapped it around his wife. And he held her as they're walking out of the auction block. She falls prostrate on her face before him. She said, Hosea, Hosea, I am not worthy to be called your wife. Make me one of your hired servants. She, he looked at her and he said, Goma, Goma, oh Goma, I don't need a servant. I need a wife. Oh Goma, our children don't need a servant. They need a mother. Loved ones understand this. She said to him, Goma, she said to him, Hosea, thank you for buying me back. Thank you for paying the price for me. And listen to this, loved ones. We are the ones standing on the auction block of sin, of auction block, naked in our sin. And Jesus Christ comes and he clothes us in righteousness as we fall into his arms. He paid the price for us by sending Jesus Christ to die for your sins and for my sins. That's the depth of God's amazing love. So the headline of the story is not how Goma illustrates for us Israel 
in her immorality. The headline of the story is how Hosea is such an amazing example of God's amazing love. He goes after her. Hosea loves her even when she was unlovely. Hosea honors her even when she was dishonorable. And loved ones, the same way that God is towards Israel, it's the same way that God is towards us. Have we done anything wrong? Yes, we have. Have we done immoral things? Yes, we have. Have we sinned against him? Yes, we have. Even though he never loves the sin. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he loves me. This is personified here in the book of Hosea. And I want you to write this third point down. God's love is tender. Chapter 2, verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Verse 19, and I will betroth you to me in forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And I love this. And in that day, I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. Oh, lo love this. Look at verse 22. And the earth shall answer the grain, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. Remember Jezreel? And I will sow her for myself in the land. And I will say, I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people and I am your God. Can you just hear the heart of the Father? The way that God wants us to love is the way that he has loved us. The way that God is patient is the way that he wants you to be patient. And the way that God is merciful is the way that he wants us to show mercy. Everyone look at me. Because that's the depth of God's amazing love. Let us pray. God it's just senseless there are many here today who needed this word so thank you for the clarity that comes through this word thank you for the sufficiency of scripture Thank you for the instructions that you have placed here. 
God, thank you for giving us a glimpse today. Just a glimpse of the depth of your amazing love for us. So God, I pray for each man, woman, boy and girl. At different places in their lives right now. Some struggling. Because they are, they're not feeling as if they're accepted. But help them to realize today, God, that they cannot sink so low where they sink outside of the reach of Almighty God. So touch their lives. Renew their minds, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus. Heal marriages, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Bring back prodigal children, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus. And touch lives like only you can. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the way that you care for us. Thank you for the depth of your 